just share that uh, that video. Hey, this is Chris with Convoy of Hope. I'm here in a small village in southern Haiti called Marceline. This is one of many communities across southern Haiti that Convoy of Hope is serving. To this day, we have served over 13,000 families, north of 3 million meals that we've moved out of our warehouse here in Haiti into the impact zone, into villages just like this. First and foremost, I just want to say thank you. Thank you to everyone who partners with us, all of the churches, and civic groups, businesses, individuals, everyone who partners with us. We just want to say a massive thank you. Just a little short thing to show you what they're up to down there. And uh, they are a wonderful, wonderful ministry. Actually started many, many years ago by a truck driver. Uh, isn't that something? He was just a normal everyday truck driver. And, and after he retired, got into his mind to load up trucks and just bring food to people. And one thing led to another. You know how the Holy Spirit does that. And before you know it, it's a worldwide ministry uh, that brings hope to a lot of different places around the world. So if you are a retired truck driver, I think they're always looking too, by the way, so for drivers. <coughs> but anyway, hallelujah. Ephesians 6 chapter, we're moving toward the end of this one wonderful, uh, wonderful. We are down in, we, we shared last week about prayer in verses 18 and 19, praying always, uh, Ephesians 6, 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints and for me, Paul says, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains hmm, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. We want to talk this morning about just those couple of verses about being an ambassador for Christ and it was a, a wonderful confirmation when um, Phil came down and asked for prayer. He said, uh, and one word in particular that I, that I asked him to repeat, he said, just pray for courage for me to speak. And I said, well, good, because that's what we're preaching on this morning. We're preaching on courage to speak. And we are ambassadors as believers. We're always involved in ministry. As a matter of fact, um, I, I, she's going to say, you don't even need to say this, but Gilly, uh, uh, Charles and Gilly were walking in into the lobby for church. And I, I usually like to, well, while Steve is beginning the worship, so I usually like to just sort of walk through the building and make sure everything's okay. And and my wife said, um, she said, could you uh, grab somebody? Because Nina's youngest did something. <laughs> you know how those young ones do stuff. And, uh, and she says, I need somebody to change a diaper. And I walked to the lobby and I said, oh, I'm just going to grab somebody to come and, and change a diaper. And Gilly said, oh, I'll do it. Isn't that wonderful? Thank you. Always a nurse. Always a nurse, right? <laughs> so, so she said, I'll do it. I said, I said, really? She said, yeah, I'll do it. I said, okay, well, my wife will love it. So, But that, isn't, isn't that really, you may say, oh, that's not like Paul preaching the gospel to Macedonia, is it? Yes, it is. In a way, it is. It's saying, yes, Lord, I'll do it. Whatever, I'll do it. So we have folks that are preparing some hot dogs for after church. It's all part of the, all part of being an ambassador for Christ. So as we near the end of this book, because we're right down near those last few verses, as we near the end of it, let's just do a quick recap uh, through this entire book uh, leading up to this wonderful section. We saw in Ephesians, the first chapter, that Paul says we were chosen from before the foundation of the world. We were predestined by adoption into Jesus Christ himself by himself. We became accepted in the beloved. We were redeemed through his blood. We have 
the forgiveness of sins. We obtained an eternal inheritance, and he wraps it all up by saying, you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Our eyes are now enlightened, we have a new hope, we have a new power, and we are seated far above all principalities and powers, all the ones we just talked about. That's just Ephesians 1. Ephesians 2, we were dead, but now we are alive in him. For all of eternity, he will show us the exceeding riches of his grace in kindness that he poured out through Christ. We are his workmanship, Paul says, created in him for the good works that he's going to do. We are no more longer strangers and foreigners, but we're fellow citizens with the saints and with the household of God. We are being builded together to form his dwelling place. Ephesians 3, we are making known to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places the manifold witness of God. All of those principalities and powers that we were once part of, we are now seated above and we are displaying the wisdom of God to them. Ephesians 4 and 5, we're learning to walk worthy, aren't we? Oh boy. Walk worthy in him, walk worthy with each other in all lowliness and meekness, becoming fitly joined together, Paul says, the body begins to supply one another's needs and help it to move together. We're learning to become proper men and proper women. We're learning to become mothers and fathers and children and leaders and servants. And then we come to the sixth chapter where Paul says, now, based on all that, we take up the full armor of God and we return to the same principalities and powers from which we were delivered and we wage war against each other. That was just to see if you were paying attention. We wage war against the enemy, the devil, and his wiles and his schemes. And that's why Paul calls us then ambassadors himself as well. And he himself says, I'm an ambassador in chains. Well, thank the Lord, none of us this morning are in chains in prison or anything. But we are ambassadors in armor. He was an ambassador in chains. So that's that whole picture of this wonderful flow of the book of Ephesians in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation with the temple of Diana there and all of the horrible things that were going on. <clears throat> this was the church acting as ambassadors. So you say, well, how do we do this? How, how do we proclaim this? Well, he gives us a couple of points here uh, in verses 19 and verses 20. I believe that first of all, we proclaim, how we proclaim? With boldness, with boldness. He says, pray that the Lord would give me boldness Give me boldness to declare this word. How, and then we see to whom we proclaim, and we're going to find out everybody. We proclaim this gospel to everybody. And then finally, when do we proclaim? He says, I proclaim this always, even when I'm in chains. So let's look at those three points very quickly. First of all, how we proclaim with boldness. He says, we need courage. He says, we got to have courage. I, I love uh, in the book of Acts, the apostles preaching and all of the, the disciples were characterized by boldness. This is the, the courage on the day of Pentecost with Peter. Remember how he stood up in front of thousands of people in downtown Jerusalem and proclaimed the gospel when just a few weeks earlier, he ran away from a little girl that asked him if he knew Jesus. He ran away so fast and so hard that he ran naked into the dark. That's scared. When you tear off all your clothes and run away, you're scared. You're scared. That's what, but yet this same Peter was now standing up, and Acts the second chapter says that he 
was standing up and lifting up his voice. And two times in that chapter, he said, This Jesus of Nazareth, which, with which your wicked hands have crucified him. Wow. That's some courage in front of thousands of people to say that. Wow. This is, the, this is the courage of that soiled prostitute who came and bowed at the feet of Jesus and took that flask of ointment and broke it and anointed his feet in front of the arrogant Pharisees, in front of the arrogant Sadducees, in front of some of the same men that probably used her, poured out that flask, risking all the scorn, risking ridicule, risking mockery, risking all of that. Oh God, raise up men and women right now that are not afraid to lose their reputation. Not afraid to lose their reputation for what the gospel is. Not afraid of the mocking and the ridicule and the scorn that the world is going to continue to heap on us. It takes courage, courage to preach the gospel. And when I say preach, I don't mean what I'm doing right now. I don't mean declaring with your words. I, I, just, I just mean living the gospel takes courage in these last days because of this crazy world in which we live. So it takes courage. But, but I believe that that courage also comes from confidence. I, I love the, the last verse, the last verse of the book of, of Acts. And of course, <clears throat> we know that um, the book of Acts does not end. We are still in the book of Acts, and the church is still moving forward. But that last verse in the book of Acts, verse 31, says that the disciples were preaching and teaching about Jesus with all confidence. Confidence. That word confidence means boldness. It means bluntness. But it also means full assurance. Con fide. Fide is faithfulness and assurance. Con with that assurance. So when we preach the word, when we have this good news, it is with full assurance. You say, well, what does that mean? Very simply, folks, I believe it means that we have to believe that this gospel is the power of God unto salvation. We have to believe it. We have to believe that principalities will bow their knees to the name of Jesus. We have to believe that powers will fall at the name of Jesus. We have to believe that Satan really did fall from lightning, like from heaven like lightning when Jesus saw him fall. I have to believe it. I have to know that this gospel will change somebody's heart. I have to believe that this gospel is the power of God, that Islam does not have the power for salvation. Buddhism does not have the power for salvation. Hinduism does not have the power for salvation. Atheism does not have the power for salvation. This gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation, and it changes people's lives. And this just went out on Facebook, so we're going to get flagged and kicked off. I said something bad about Islam. God loves every Muslim, hallelujah, but Jesus is the answer, not Muhammad. Jesus is the answer, not any philosophy. Jesus is the answer, the same answer that's been here for years and years and years. It's Jesus. So we have to proclaim that with courage and confidence. Boy, I, I know, I know having been at YSU just a few years ago. I know what Phil's going to face. I know what you guys face at work. I know what people think and how they talk. And it takes courage to even just stand up and say something good. 
say something righteous, it takes courage. So that's the first thing. The second thing is then, to whom do we proclaim this? Well, I believe wrapped up in this little couple of verses, Paul is saying, everybody. I'm gonna, I have to open my mouth, Paul says, boldly. Now, we know he was in custody, that he was in his own rented apartment, but he was in custody, and the guard was there. That's how he got the picture of the armor. We've talked about that before. So he's there in front of that guard. There were all sorts of people coming in and out. And I think I said it a couple weeks ago. I wonder how many of those soldiers, because they were probably on shifts, I wonder how many of them got saved. <laughs> Can you imagine sitting there and listening to, listen to Paul dictate scripture, listen to Paul talk to people and minister to them in that apartment? Day after day, people coming through, coming in, an alcoholic, leaving set free. Coming in, a prostitute, leaving set free. Coming in, bound to sin, leaving set free. Probably eventually those guards had to scratch their helmets and say, you know what? <laughs> I think I want Paul to pray for me. <laughs> but we proclaim it to everybody. And, and this is the mystery of the gospel <clears throat> that we proclaim. And we talked about it through this book of Ephesians. We spoke earlier of the mysterious and marvelous way in which God joined together both Jew and Gentile into one body. Ephesians, the third chapter, verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Wow. This is a, this is a mystery. <clears throat> it's a mystery that many people can't understand, <clears throat> especially religious people. The mystery that he took upon himself, God, the form of man. He became flesh. He fulfilled his own law in his own body. Then he joined us to his righteousness in everything that he just did. He satisfied his own righteousness. He sealed up in himself the Old Testament law and the prophets. He confirmed the ending of the Jewish age and the beginning of the age of the gospel for all. He took the tree of Israel that he planted and nurtured for thousands of years and grafted in the rest of the world to create a new tree of life. Hallelujah. And that's the tree of life which we partake of today. I, I'm so glad that that the, there was that wonderful passage <clears throat> in Zechariah when he prophesied so many years ago that in that day there shall be a fountain opened in Jerusalem. Oh, I'm glad I can dip into that fountain anytime I need it. I'm glad that the world has that fountain anytime I need it, and it's for sin and uncleanness. That's why Paul told Timothy then in 1 Timothy 3.16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and then received up into glory. That's the first wonderful mystery that we have of the gospel, how God did that. And, and as Nina shared earlier, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you are. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how much money you have. <clears throat> this gospel is for you. You don't look at the outside. He looks at the inside. And the mystery of the gospel is that it comes inside of us and begins to change everything. And that's the first wonderful aspect of the gospel. But then there's a last wonderful aspect of the gospel. Paul says it again, <clears throat> this final wonderful mystery. He says, behold, I shall show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep but we shall be changed. Oh, hallelujah. How many are looking for that change? 
I sent a, <clears throat> my son sent a joke, a little joke meme to me, and it said something to the effect of, there has, they have discovered a link between watching the news and yearning for the return of Jesus. <laughs> and isn't that about the truth? <clears throat> Every time you see something, you go, oh, Lord Jesus, come back. But we shall be changed in a moment, Paul says, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And he says it again, we shall be changed. What a mystery. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your sting? O oh, grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, my friends, we started with a mystery, we're ending in a mystery, and everything in between is victory through Jesus. Victory through Jesus. Victory through Jesus. Victory through Jesus. The mystery is that God took the sting of death. He made the Jewish law powerless through his own righteousness. And that's what we proclaim today. We proclaim righteousness. We proclaim deliverance. We proclaim salvation. We proclaim regeneration. We proclaim glorification. And I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know how difficult it is or how bad it is. If it's really bad, there's one thing you can still look forward to. Eternity with Jesus with a changed body. Hallelujah. Wow. What a time. So to whom do we proclaim this thing? This gospel is for everybody. This mystery goes out for everybody. doesn't matter who they are, where they're from, what race, creed, color, nationality. It's for everyone. Hallelujah. One last point, then, when do we proclaim it? And this, this I found fascinating because here is Paul in chains. He's bound. Now, you would think that if you're in prison, per se, and you can't get out, you would think that, <clears throat> how are you going to proclaim the gospel? I mean, proclaim the gospel, you need, you need a 501c3 organization, you need a ministry, you need a private jet, right? You at least need a nice big bus to get around the country and proclaim the gospel. How could you proclaim the gospel sitting in one room? How, how could that be? It's a mystery. But in that room, he said, I am always proclaiming the gospel. We declare what we know, we declare who he is, we declare what he has done in our lives. And that happens everywhere. But we have to be able to have those things. I was purchasing something online, I can't remember what it was, <clears throat> but a little of, of some electrical thing for work around the house. And I looked at a couple of the customer reviews, and, and one of the customer reviews was this one. It was great, in capital letters, work for what I need. I don't know why I want to say this with a southern accent. I'll try not to. But the fan don't come on. <laughs> I think I have to. The fan don't come on every little bit and burn up your battery power. And I haven't had it long enough to use it but a couple of times, so I can't give a good survey. 
That's not how we proclaim the gospel. <laughs> well, ha, what's changed your life? Last time I met you, you were this, and last time I met you, what changed? Well, I, I ain't sure. <laughs> I haven't been doing this long enough to know much, so I really can't say. No, 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 no. <laughs> we need the boldness to declare what we know, who he is, and what he has done in our lives. Hallelujah. So we preach in every circumstance. Well, I don't know. I can't talk about Jesus because dot, dot, dot. Well, listen, folks, if Paul could be an ambassador in chains and preached while he was in prison, I believe we can preach the gospel in Giant Eagle. I believe we can tell people about Jesus in school, at work, in different places. I believe we can tell people about Jesus everywhere because if Paul could do it while in chains, I believe we can do it while we're free. And that's why I love that verse, 1 Peter, the third chapter, when Peter says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. That is, set the Lord God apart in your heart. Set him apart. Make him special. Give him that special throne, that special place, that special time of day, which is 24 hours. Not a devotional time. That's good. But make sure that your devotional time lasts 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 days a year. That's the best devotional time you could have, by the way. But set him apart in your hearts. And Peter says, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason of the hope that is inside of you with meekness and with fear. Interesting. And those two words in that verse are very fascinating. The first word is answer, and the Greek word is apologia, from apology or apologetics. Apologetics does not mean you're apologizing for something. Apologetics in philosophy means you're defending something. You're giving the reason for what you believe. So Peter says, be ready to give a reason. How, how are you making it through this? I, your life, I, I heard what you went through. How did you make it through? Well, let me give you the answer. Let me give you the reasons as to how I got through this. And let me tell you where the hope came from. And let me tell you how I did this. And I'm going to do it, not in arrogance, but I'm going to do it in meekness and in fear. We're preaching the gospel. What's the word say? That you are an epistle to be read of every man. We're preaching the gospel all the time. And we need to preach it with words and without words as a demonstration. And you know what? Here's the thing, though. We live in America right now. And America, it, 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 preaching the gospel in America is much different than preaching the gospel in many other parts of the world. Preaching the gospel in the West, in Europe, and places like that, it's different than what you see in Haiti. I remember on one of my many trips, as a matter of fact, one of them was Guatemala and, and other places, if you advertised the Jesus film, if they just spread the word through villages, people would come out, they would walk for miles and miles and miles. Now, now listen very carefully what I'm going to say, because it's going to sound blasphemous, and I don't mean it to sound that way. They would come for miles and miles and miles, number one, because there was going to be electric There's going to be electricity down there in that village. They're going to show a movie. 
Do you know how many people in the third world don't get to see movies? So you say, well, wait a minute. They were coming to hear Jesus? No, they were coming to see a movie. Doesn't that sound mystical and super spiritual? They were coming to see a movie. It just so happened the movie was about Jesus. <laughs> and so when they got there, they suddenly heard the gospel. So there are many times as we talk about foreign missions, it is much easier to present the gospel in foreign countries because there is such a need there and they will come to hear just about whatever you're going to say because it's just so amazing that someone's going to pass out free water. Wow, it's amazing. But America is a little bit different. America is, is different because nearly all Americans believe that they are Christians. It's true. They believe they're Christians. And many of them are. But they believe they're Christians. And so bringing the true gospel into America is more like Paul preaching on Mars Hill. If you want to understand that, go back and read Paul in the book of Acts on Mars Hill. As a matter of fact, when he began to declare the gospel, many of the philosophers, many of the people today came and they said, let's go hear what this fool is babbling about. Aren't you glad that you could be a fool for Jesus and just babble away? Hallelujah. And in your babbling and in your foolishness, guess what? There are some people that are going to come and hear you babble, and they're going to accept the person you're babbling about named Jesus, and good things are going to happen. But in America, it's, it's really, since we have this society in which we live, there are many times that when you sit down with someone and there's an open door to bring them the gospel, you're going to find out that you're going to have to do a lot of reasoning and a lot of apologetic and a lot of discussion and it's not as easy as just saying, here's the Roman road, do this, believe in Jesus, boom, 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 and you're saved. Americans don't think that way anymore because they already think they're saved. It's going to take sitting down and reasoning. Come, what did the Lord say? Come, let us reason together. Sit down over a cup of coffee and talk. Share, pour out your heart, tell them who Jesus is, and be ready to answer a lot of questions and have a lot of discussion. And you say, what if I don't know the answer? You won't know the answer, but most of the time the Holy Spirit will give you the words. Because remember, we're praying for an open door that God would help us to speak boldly and speak with courage and speak with confidence about what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. So when it begins to happen, guess what? Don't get surprised that it happens. And he'll give you the words. So here we are as ambassadors. We are truth tellers. We are gospel givers. We are sojourners with a purpose. We're pulling people out of the fire. We don't entangle ourselves again with the affairs of this world, but we lift ourselves up and the people out of the affairs of this world. I was just talking to somebody before church and they said, you know, the Lord has brought me to a place in my life right now where everything is very simple. And, and, and I've had to give up a lot of things. But you know what? Now I'm realizing that sometimes it's nice to have a simple life with not a lot of stuff. And I think that's true. So we're, we're moving as his ambassadors. In a few moments, you're going to have a chance to continue that ambassadorship. And, and I'll be honest with you. We are so, so blessed in this country. 
you know, you could look at statistics, <clears throat> and if you think you're not doing well, if you could look, you could look at some world statistics, and if you make over $30,000 a year, do you know that you're in about the top 2% of the world? You didn't know you were that rich, did you? We are so blessed. We are so blessed. We will spend a couple bucks on a cup of coffee. We'll spend 10 20 $30 for a nice meal at a restaurant with a spouse or whatever. We'll spend so much on so many things. But the world needs to hear the gospel. And you say, what, are you putting a guilt trip on us? Absolutely. 100% guilt trip. Everybody in this place can give the Lord's work something. And there is a world that is dying and needs to hear. So let's be his ambassadors. Let's be his ambassadors. I'm going to ask the ushers to come, if you will. And as I say, if you want to do more and you need more time, that's fine. You can mail in a pledge card. Or if you want to just, with a pledge, say, I'm going to give this amount, but I don't have it yet. But I will be giving this amount one time. That's fine. You could do that. However the Lord leads you, you can do it. But I believe that the Lord wants us to give because we know that be given back, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will men pour into our bosom so that we can keep on giving because that's what it's all about. Father, I just thank you that we can be with our brother, the Apostle Paul. We can be ambassadors, even in the form of chains that we might be in. We may look at and say, you know, wow, I'm on a fixed income or, or I, I, I'm, I just have enough to pay my bills or I'm stuck in this particular place in my life and it feels like a prison. But you know what, Lord, we can give our way out of prison. We can give our way into blessing. We can give our way. We can still be blessing. And, and there's no number on that blessing. It could be a dollar. It doesn't matter. But it's giving to be a blessing. And we know our brothers and sisters around the world are suffering right now in many places, not just in Haiti, not just in Afghanistan, not just in Africa, but around the world, brothers and sisters are suffering for the cause of Jesus. And we want to be a part of the ambassadorships that holds their hands up and helps them to proclaim that we would pray for them and give to them so that they could boldly declare the gospel with confidence to their generation as we do it here as well. We thank you. We ask you to bless both gift and giver. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you as you give. And as I say, this will go toward, right now, toward physical needs for individuals to reach out to a world that is, is suffering, is suffering right now. And we have, having, how many have been overseas to a third world country? Several of you, yes. Um, it, it is an amazing thing to see the construction that we have here and the cardboard homes they have there. And that really helps to understand that when a hurricane comes through, we survive it here pretty handily uh, in America. But over there, it just wipes out whole towns and there's nothing left. So we're glad that we could be part of holding up the hands of Convoy of Hope and others as they minister to this world. Hallelujah. Let's stand together into his presence. How many are glad that God has given us an ambassadorship this morning? How many are, how many really believe, like myself, every morning I question why he gave me this ambassadorship? 
every morning I wonder, Lord, am I doing the ambassadorship the way I should? But I believe that he's blessing us and pouring out his wisdom and understanding and knowledge to help us every day proclaim this gospel to a lost world because that's what it's all about. May we be faithful to do that. Hallelujah. Uh, as we, before we pray, don't forget, I think you head back to the garage area or whatever afterwards. Grab a hot dog if you want. Share with somebody. Sit down and chat. Bless somebody. Whatever you want to do or just grab a hot dog to run. It's up to you. Father, we just thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the fellowship. We thank you for the communion we have in you. We thank you for the ambassadorship we have in you. May we be faithful to you to bring this gospel to a lost world. We thank you for what you're going to do as we join with our brother Paul and the millions around the world that are declaring your word to give you glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Bless us as we go. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Turn around. Shake somebody's hand. Bless them in Jesus' name.